right, welcome to the Texas Hemp Show podcast. Podcast number 156 this week on the Texas Hemp Show. I'm Russell Dowden, your host and publisher for the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine, which is out available in CBD stores. And uh, so the magazine's out now. Folks can start picking those up. Rachel, uh, let me turn your mic on. How are you? I am doing great today. How are you? You look lovely, I, I must you. say. Thanks for being here <laughs> in the studio this week. How's, our, how's everything going? Everything's good. Busy as always. Did you um, did you go to the comedy thing on Wednesday? I didn't, but I saw that De La Stoner performed. Oh wow, how yes. cool! He's yeah. great. He's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, they he should fit in right well with those exactly. guys at that uh, Texas Smoke Connection. Yeah, he makes the rounds. He's all over the place. He's you know, um, I believe lives in San Antonio. I saw him at a pop up event last weekend, um, and he said that he had just gotten into town in Austin from Houston. So. He's out there, you know, promoting the plant and making people laugh. And he is definitely one of our friends here. Yeah, De La Stoner <laughs> from San Antonio. He's got a great Instagram channel. If you're not following De La Stoner, check him out. He does a, a pretty good job of keeping us all entertained here in the Lone Star State as it, <laughs> as it concerns cannabis. I don't know if this hit last week or not, but our Attorney General, Attorney General Ken Paxton, sued five cities over marijuana policies preventing enforcement of Texas drug laws, and we kind of maybe touched on it a tad last week on the show. But in lieu of that, I wanted to reach out to Julie Oliver, who's the executive director for Ground Game Texas, and have her on the show this week. I thought we would have her comment and and bring her on the, the show. And then also Rod Kite is joining us, Kite on Cannabis, which it's is website again? I don't cannabis have cannabis.law. Cannabis.law. What a great is, domain. <laughs> yeah, he's got a killer domain there. Rod's a friend of our friend David Sergi. Wanted to have Rod to chime in as well and just talk some national policy that relates to the Biden administration and the election year and see what can move and shake over there in, in DC. But let's bring both our guests in here, Carl, and, and uh, bring both Julie and Rod in and say hi to both these guys. This is kind of our. Legal freedoms and fight for cannabis show. I was telling the our our guests before we got started, and then Julie said, "Free the weed, free free the weed." That's our, <laughs> our show this week. Welcome to the Texas Hemp Show, Rod and Julie Oliver. How are you guys? Great, thank you so much for having us. Oh, I'm great. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. And it's cannabusiness.law, by the way. I, I was so, just about uh, to correct myself because I looked. I'm like, oh wait, I, you know, it. It's just. You know, that busy gets lost in there. <laughs> well, that's right. Super happy to be here. Thank you. Well, yeah. Rod, so the, the, is the URL, the can of biz, it goes into the business. So you're can using business. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, it is a little bit of a tongue yeah. twister, I guess, maybe there, tongue but twister. pretty clever domain there you got, Rod. Both of you guys, thank you for being on the show. We'll start with Julie. I know your team with Ground Game Texas, Julie, uh, was very involved with these signatures, getting these municipalities to uh, to get these measures in place. And and now our attorney general, if there's not enough things going on with Texas, m makes this move here last week, Julie. So, yeah, we've been uh, 
I guess I should say really busy working around the state, knowing that the state legislatures, or at least one chamber of the House, um, hasn't really been responsive to decriminalizing or legalizing cannabis in the state. Uh, we've been working at the city level to decriminalize. We can't legalize at the city level, but we can make it a very low priority enforcement priority for cities. So we have worked in Austin. We started in Austin and then we went to Colleen, Denton, San Marcos, uh, Elgin, Harker Heights, um, Lubbock. We are they're going to have their election this May. We're now working in Dallas. Uh, we're right. part of the Lockhart group. So we've been involved in every one of these petitions to get decriminalization on ballots in the communities. And everyone that's gone to the ballot has passed overwhelmingly huge margins of support. I think the lowest one was 64% all the way up to 85 and a half percent. And so last, last uh, Wednesday, I was driving to Houston and my phone started blowing up. And people I are like, oh my God. And I'm like, I can't see anything. I'm on I-10 and this is too dangerous. Um, so I had to have, I called my husband. I said, can you read what this, this press release is? And apparently in five of the cities that passed uh, cannabis reform, uh, Ken Paxton decided to sue them. There's a sixth city that never added the, uh, the ballot initiative, even though it passed with a super majority of the voters approving it. They never approved. Uh, added it to the code of ordinances. So it's a long mm -hmm. way of saying five cities are getting sued by the Texas attorney general. And I think it is the most meritless um, case there could possibly be. It obviously is deflecting from his own legal troubles. He has a long history of legal, years long history of legal troubles. Let's yeah. not forget this is also the man who was indicted for state securities fraud, defrauding his own friends. Um, and he's been awaiting trial for several years on that one. Uh, he was impeached by the House, unfortunately not convicted in the Senate, but impeached in the House. And is now we as taxpayers now are going to be picking up the bill, um, multi-million dollar bill for his misdeeds in office. So this is clearly a deflection. I think it was really unwise of him to go after this issue because Texas, I mean, voters in Texas overwhelmingly support uh, legalization, mm -hmm. decriminalization, yeah. a real medical marijuana program, you, whatever form you want to give it to them. An overwhelming majority of Texans want to see some change around marijuana laws. Yes, Ken has, Paxton, our attorney general in the Lone Star State, has had a, a long history of uh, being in the media for things that have had gone on in this office, uh, Rachel. It's always been uh, something that's made local news, especially if you're in Austin like we are. It seems like there's bigger work to be done right now with the Lone Star State than something like this. Well, and, and you know, I'll say it's really surprising, too, because, um, you know, for for state leadership to at least say that they respect and honor small government um, and, and local control, they certainly aren't doing that in this case. Um, they, there was legislation last year that took away a tremendous amount of local control, even though there were things in, in communities that were incredibly popular, um, you know, they're slowly stripping away the rights of communities to, uh, you know, govern themselves, which is guaranteed in the Texas Constitution. If a city in Texas is a home rule charter city, they have all the powers of self-governance except what the state specifically takes away. And the state is trying slowly but surely to take almost every form of self-governance away from the cities. And it's really unfortunate. They have left uh, all the decriminalization work that we've been doing over the last two years untouched in the legislative session. And I was grateful for that. Um, but, you know, 
Ken Paxson, again, what I assume is to deflect from his own legal troubles, is pulling a very undemocratic, mm. unpopular move by suing these cities and trying to st strip away local, local control even more. Yeah, I completely agree. That was my first thought. Like, you know, I felt like, oh, he just he's trying to make people forget about what we just saw happen. Um, and, you know, speaking of Austin, you know, being one of the cities that's affected here, um, I find it, you know, kind of odd that Austin has defunded a lot of its police force. And so um, is it even wise for us to use what resources we do have to go after something that, you know, is not hurting people like robberies and burglaries and violence? Well, let me, I'm going to correct one thing you said. You said Austin has defunded the police, but the state ledge put a law in, uh, on the books. And I can't remember if that was 2023 or 2021. Um, but they passed a law that said cities couldn't do that. And so the city of Austin has refunded, fully funded oh, all okay. of um, what was taken away. The biggest thing being, the biggest thing I want to be honest about was the, the crime lab, um, which had mishandled several cases. So they just took that budget and dropped it into a different budget. Um, the police union, unfortunately, said defunding, defunding, but it was really just moving the laboratory to a different city department other than rather than being embedded within the police department. So I do want to clarify that APD is not uh, defunded. Well, thank and you for correcting me. That's one of the things that they did take away. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, yeah. But still, me. we have we're dealing with finite resources. Right. And we know that there is a staffing shortage at APD. They can't even fill the, the open requisitions that they have. So, no, it isn't wise to say, hey, you've got to spend more resources hounding people for victimless so-called crimes. Um, it, it's silly. Turn Every state around us, we're one of a minority of states that haven't legalized this. There are much better uses of our taxpayer dollars than hounding people with low-level marijuana possession cases. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, that is the point <laughs> we're making, you know, um, it, yeah. it's a we're in a time right. where like a lot of people don't want to be police officers because just things that have happened that they don't feel respected. And so, you know, regardless if they reinstated the funding, I mean, the staffing shortage is still there. So, you know, aside from yeah. his, you know, Ken Paxton trying to deflect, what other reasons do you think there are that make the politicians in this state just so, um, you know, it, so much in support of prohibition of recreational cannabis? Well, I think it's no surprise that, you know, the primary system that we have in Texas brings out, um, you know, what's called typically called the base. Right. And on the GOP side, their base is far more conservative socially than the rest of the state. And but unfortunately, those very, very socially conservative Republicans uh, vote at in large, large numbers. And they're the ones who pick who is going to be on the ballot in November. November. There are a lot of people who forget that we have, we have a primary coming up next month. Uh, and I hope everybody in Texas will go out and cast their vote, because if you're not OK with somebody who's an extremist being in office or being on the ballot in November, the time to change that is the primary. So, you know, Republicans and Democrats both. I mean, they are both beholden to their so-called base. And um, they know that those are the folks who really dictate whether they'll be on uh, the ballot in a general election in November, and ultimately, if it's a safe legislative district, then they're gonna they're gonna win. 
stay right there julie We're, i was gonna go to rod we'll come back with rod and get his take on some of the crazy stuff between state uh, lawmakers and the municipalities who have the right to exert freedoms in their own cities texas hemp show russell dowd and i'll be right back after this guys This is Ricky Williams, and you're listening to The Texas Hemp Show. Hook em. The Texas Hemp Show is brought to you by your friends at CBD Pros USA, your cannabis experts. Right now, you can save 50% off any one product if you mention The Texas Hemp Show. That's right, 50% off anything on the online store menu. Nano tincture, watermelon gummies, our Brio Drip moisturizing cream, any single item, 50% off. That's CBD Pros. CBD is present in more significant quantities in hemp than marijuana. And because it's non-psychoactive, CBD is widely regarded as the cannabinoid with the most health potential by researchers. If you'd like to learn more about CBD and our products at CBD Pros, you can read our education page and browse some of our products to learn more. Visit CBDProsUSA.com. That's CBDProsUSA.com. Myelin Wellness is a proud sponsor of the Texas Hemp Show and has earned a reputation for creating future-minded CBD and Delta innovations. From broad-spectrum CBD to a wide variety of recreational products, Smilin offers the best experience while matching the needs of consumers across the board. Are you a fan of edibles? The Smilin connection of in-demand hemp-derived goodies are bursting with flavor. Fun to consume, drive long-lasting results, and provide just the right amount of cannabinoid dose. Check out the variety of potent Delta 9 Gushers, Delta 8 Chocolate Malt Balls, Space Rings, and Nerd-like Candy Clusters. Smilin has also unveiled a new line of functional and euphoric mushrooms that provide powerful and pure solutions to nurture the body and elevate the mind. Stay tuned for the biggest launch of the year, Mushroom Life. Go to SmilinWellness.com, S-M-I-L-Y-N Wellness.com. Hey, this is Cheech Marine, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. The Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. Would you like to host the Texas Hemp Show podcast at your business or special event? Now booking live broadcasts from your location with our new demo vehicle, the Texas Green Machine. Email russell at texashempreporter at gmail.com. Hey, this is Tommy Chong, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. Now back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden.
All right, welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show. This is podcast number 156. Um, Russell Dowden here with the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine, your host. Riding shotgun with me is Rachel Nelson, always. Hi, Rachel. Hello. Welcome back to the show as things are heating up and we're starting to get a little... A little frustrated, I would say. <laughs> maybe more than a maybe maybe more than a little frustrated. Even our guest again, Julie Oliver, with uh, Ground uh, Game Texas, executive director, co-founder of Ground Game Texas. Let's let's bring in Rod Kite, who sat patiently through that first segment. Uh, Kite himself has a great cannabis law firm, Kite on Cannabis. Uh, Rod, you heard the discussion. What do you think next goes for these municipalities? I mean, now there's like, like Julie said, it's an expensive lawsuit now that, you know, it's going to cost taxpayers money. And, you know, this is, you know, I don't know if it was deflection, Rachel, like she was pointing out. I never really considered that, but maybe that's a valid point to deflect anything coming on him on his career. But uh, things always uh, tumultuous here in the Lone Star State. Uh, Rod, welcome to the Texas Hemp Show, man. Oh, thanks for being here. You know, the whole thing with these lawsuits against these cities is it's, well, it's in a word, it, it's absurd. So, so if you think about law enforcement, and, and this is what we're calling enforcement discretion, meaning that law enforcement, and that goes from you know, the, the, the cop on the street all the way up to the, to the prosecuting attorney, have discretion to determine you know, how are they going to focus their time, their money, their resources, their energy. And, and, and we're going to, you know, something you know, most people don't get pulled over for going, you know, 58 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone, right? Because we say that's just a waste of time. We need to, you know, Highway Patrol needs to focus on on pulling over people who are going 15, 20 miles an hour over. They're really a danger. They're going three miles an hour. We're not gonna we're not gonna mess with that. And that's a simplistic example, but that happens throughout the entire um, line of, of 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 control in in law enforcement throughout the the country and in fact throughout the world. It's just you can't enforce every single crime at every level. Period. And so it's, it's really important, particularly with municipalities who have limited resources to decide what are we going to focus our energy and our resources on and what better way to know than to have, you know, these cities actually vote on it. Well, our population, yeah. it sounds like, Julie, you've got super majorities in most, if not all these places, say we don't want our funds to go to this. And so then to have the attorney general come in and not only override that, but then cost them more resources yeah. for their lack of doing that. It's, it's, it's really just absurd. So yeah. Julia, I, I really appreciate um, what y'all are doing there. And, um, and I, I certainly hope that there's some success, but I think, and, and one last little word here, regardless of how the lawsuits go, and I'm not super educated on the nuances of Texas administrative law and other laws, um, you know, in, in terms of a legal analysis, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, how that's going to go, but certainly from a political standpoint, I, I, this to me just can't be good for for um, your attorney general. I mean, just it just underlines and highlights the the fact that he is contrary to to major portions of his constituency. Well, let me and, and to Texas, Texas loves you know self governance. You know, here we are; these municipalities are saying, you know, this is what we want. That's that, there's nothing more Texas than that, right? And he's going against that. So I, I just can't see how this is going to benefit him politically at all. Let me ask both of you, Julie or, or Rod, you can jump in on this. And then I think Rachel has one for Rod after this. But, I, you know, what can we do to change culture with lawmakers, Julie? Because, you know, this seems like the rest of us and the, it's very obvious with the polling you're doing and, and, the, and, 
and what the cities want, the, the 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 culture of Texas, as well as the the national culture, Rod, and you can attest to that, um, is is ready for all of this. Why can't we get our lawmakers in the Lone Star State to acquiesce? Well, again, I think it goes back to who are they? Who are they ultimately trying to please? Um, and right. It goes back to who the primary voter is. And in the primary, I'll give you an example. Um, the last time we had an election for our statewide leadership, uh, that was in 2022. And in the primary, about 9% of registered voters came out to vote for uh, the Republican candidates. 9% are determining who the leadership will be come November. So you have to realize that 9% is an extraordinary minority and they get to dictate what the policies and the priorities and the whatever war you want to start with whatever city is going to be for the day. Um, and it's, you know, that and also, you know, the people who can write the big checks, they're going to listen to those folks. So it's. Um, That's frustrating, Julie. Because I, I know it's, it's hard. <laughs> I, I go out, I vote in, I'm the 9%. They. I go out and vote in in the spring on these on these election years. I, I I try to go out and make my vote heard. Is it that's what we need more people to do, right? One hundred percent. Yeah, and especially <laughs> what Julie's saying um, that the primaries are the time to make the change because maybe like the um, the conservatives in Texas just feel like oh we've got this like no matter what we know that Texans care more about keeping the state a certain way politically than they do about you know this issue so um, the there are a lot of conservatives like coming around to the plant like, yeah so but we just I mean need to switch out at the primaries is the right time to do that. Well, that, that's a good point. But I mean, there's a lot of us, you know, <laughs> Julie, there's a lot of us that, you know, I like my guns. I like my freedoms, uh, but I like my cannabis too, Julie. <laughs> you know? Right. And I think they're assuming these lawmakers um, that are fighting this are just assuming that people care more about their guns than they do about yeah, but, cannabis. So they have this in the back. But, but I mean, I'm, you know, and let's do Julie Oliver talk on this because I mean, I, I I like the for a, I'm for a protected border. I'm for a Second Amendment rights. But as a magazine publisher for 22 years of my career, I am a First Amendment free speech guy and pretty liberal from my hometown of Austin, Texas, Julie. So, you know, it's frustrating. You know, we we, we want some change, but you know, it's it, how do you how do you get the best of both worlds? It's just tough. Well, I will say that it's also challenging in the state to, you know, one, get registered to vote. And if you're if you're not registered to vote 30 days in advance of an election, you can't vote in that election. And I can tell mm -hmm. you, I've been in Colleen when soldiers have gone in to vote only to turn around and come right back out of the the voting, the polling location. And I said, what happened? And they're like, well, I got deployed here two weeks ago and I can't register to vote here. And so it's too late for them to get a mail-in ballot from their home state. Um, and it's too late to get registered to vote. So why do we not have online voter registration? This whole notion that, okay, I'm not meaning to go down a rabbit hole, but we don't have people who want to vote in this state. That's the problem. Yeah. We have so many people, even in November of 2022, less than 50% of registered voters actually showed up to vote. So we're not talking about, you know, 
tons of, uh, of folks just beating down the door to vote, but it's also hard to get registered to vote. But we definitely need more people to participate. And then you're going to have some reasonableness in the laws that um, get enacted in the state. Let me ask Rod, uh, while we've got you here, Rod, I want to ask, Texas has got a unique situation. They We we can't put a initiative on our on our our voting ballot every year. How is how have you dealt with municipalities there and what's it like with your experience with municipal governments and and with the states there that, that you've you've dealt with cuz you're licensed in a multiple multiple states as an attorney. So what 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 makes Texas so different? Well, you know, every state ha is is different and and I think that Texas is is has always sort of prided itself on on being different, but there's a lot in, uh, in common between Texas and North Carolina. Besides being southern states, we're, we're both states that don't have um, very much in the way of, in fact, in North Carolina, no uh, marijuana reform. But I want to take a step back and talk about, we're talking about the plant here, right? So this is cannabis. And under federal law and the laws of both Texas and North Carolina, um, cannabis is not a legal term of art. What is a legal term of art, meaning terms that have legal meaning related to cannabis, are marijuana, which is illegal, and hemp, which is legal. And the sole distinction between legal hemp and illegal marijuana is the concentration of delta-9 THC. No more mm -hmm. than 0.3%, it's legal hemp. Above 0.3%, it's uh, marijuana. And so here's the point I'm, I'm driving at is the, the similarities between Texas and North Carolina are that people say, when are we going to get legalization? We need cannabis reform. And, and, and undoubtedly we do. But we are very, very good hemp states. And when we step yeah. back and see, well, well, what does that mean? Well, every product, cannabis product that you can buy in Colorado, Oregon, California, um, New York, you can buy the hemp equivalent legal hemp equivalent in texas and in north carolina and in fact in in many cases the consumer has a lot more in the way of of variety and options for mm -hmm. their 10 milligram delta 9 gummy or their thca flower or whatever it is that they, or their seltzer or their drink that they want and so people say rod when are we getting legalization i say wait a second i you know <laughs> All cannabis needs to be descheduled on it, but but step back and look around. You know, I can walk in, in Asheville, North Carolina, where I live. Just and I've, I've one of my sons lives in um, in Austin, and, and I've done the same thing. And you can buy whatever you want legally, and I think that that's really important. And we talk about the lawmakers. When are they going to get it? They're missing the whole thing. They are. So and, and, in a, in, and in some <laughs> respects, it's it, this is kind of good because it's normalizing cannabis for the average consumer and it's also and we're going to talk about this a little bit more so i'll just say this briefly and, and put a pin in it to talk about it later but it's also allowing small businesses to thrive because what you see in the marijuana industry particularly in states that are legalizing legalizing marijuana now with, with starting with medical programs is you have a small group of, of corporate multinational often um, um, groups come in and they will they will put a lot of money into funding bills that will allow them, you know, five, 10 licenses in a massive state mm -hmm. to control the cannabis market. And very often accompanying that are laws that want to push out the hemp industry so they can control it. And so we're talking about consolidating power with, with corporate monopolies, whereas the hemp industry is the exact opposite. It's, you know, grassroots, it's small businesses. If you're in Texas, if you're in North Carolina and you want to, grow cannabis, if you want to process it, if you want to retail it, whatever it is, the bar 
to, to market that um, is very low, particularly re um, relative to quote unquote marijuana states. Yeah. And so in a lot of ways, I think Texas and North Carolina are leading the way. And that's counterintuitive. And a lot of people are not um, not fully grasping that, but they're coming around. <laughs> uh, let me turn the subject to this, guys. I read a report, Julie, that um, stated that law enforcement had recently saved tons of paperwork and money avoiding low level cases that actually got more work done, like fighting real crimes in the Lone Star State. I've seen this in numerous uh, news stories. You guys must have, have, uh, have probably Rod seen this in other states, if not. Uh, in his own state, but you certainly you've aware of this, Julie, like news stories are coming out that, and there's information out there that law enforcement actually love that they don't have to prosecute right. low there's level. Data. There's like hard numbers. Yeah. Here. They love, they don't have to go out and, you know, crack on somebody for, and waste an hour and a half uh, for, you know, a tiny pin or joint. So uh, two things I'll say about this. One, uh, Harris County actually did a study a few years ago mm -hmm. about how much it costs to do, to arrest somebody for misdemeanor marijuana only, just misdemeanor mm -hmm. marijuana. Uh, and it was on average about $2,500 per arrest. They were going to end up saving about $10 million every year wow. by not arresting folks for low-level marijuana and, and prosecuting them. Um, and then second to that, it's you know really important for folks to know that um, we do have in this state, and I'm sure your audience does know this, that we do have something that is legal and is smokable. And we, I, I mean, I, it, when I found this out, it kind of blew my mind, but I've gone on the Texas state, uh, uh, what is it? Department of state health services mm -hmm. dishes and, and it's their dishes. frequently asked, uh, yeah, it's their frequently asked questions when it comes to hemp that hemp does not have an age restriction on purchase, including smokable hemp. So what? a five-year-old could conceivably go and buy it. So yeah, go look it up yourself. It's on the Department of That's State Health. No, no, she's right. We've talked about yeah, this on this no, show before. There's no age limit. And wow. um, so the fact of the matter is, you know, they regulate, I guess, in some ways, alcohol more than they do uh, smokable hemp. But mm. people are getting arrested for low-level, like, smokable hemp. They don't have the ability to pay for an attorney, and they still get taken in by a few cops. But you're right. I will say one final thing. In every city we've worked, law enforcement has not come out um, against this. The police unions have just stayed neutral on this issue. They have not come out against us. Mm -hmm. well, and you I think, know to your point, it saves them a lot of time. Well, I have something for Julie. I, um, you know, in Lubbock and Lockhart, where these efforts are, you know, they're, they're like in the middle of it. And it just seems what I've seen on social media that their decriminalization efforts are not slowing down. Like they're going to keep it moving forward um, and they're not skipping a beat, like regardless of this lawsuit well, or the lawsuit. This lawsuit. Yeah, the lawsuit will take years to to play out. And yeah, we're working in those cities where we just started an initiative in Dallas, which is the ninth largest city in the United States to decriminalize. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take a long time for this this lawsuit to work its way through the courts. And I do think, I mean, personally, I feel like um I feel like this is this lawsuit is on very very shaky grounds. What the indicted attorney general wants to say is that we have a statute in the state of Texas that says um, no city can create a policy that doesn't fully enforce the drug laws of the state of Texas. What does that mean? It, it's an impossible standard. No city can fully enforce drug laws. 
They'd have to commit every resource. They'd have to get rid of fire, EMS, roads, parks, sewage, lights, you name it, because they would have to redirect every resource to fully enforcing the drug laws of Texas. That is a standard that nobody can, can achieve in this state. Um, so I just want to say, I think that he's on very shaky grounds. It's an overly broad statute that I do think will get overturned when it goes through the court system. Well, that's good news. Well, stay right there, both of you guys. We're, we're going to take a quick commercial break here at the Texas Hemp Show. We'll come back on the other side. We'll toss the football over to Rod and learn a little bit more about his practice. But, Julie, when we come back, I want you to fire off the website. We'll get your information out there. Talk about what Ground Game Texas is still working on. I know that our friend Austin Zamorari up in Dallas is work. Dallas is busy. They're they're in the middle of getting this figured out in Dallas right, right. now. And maybe let's ask Julie on the other side what what Dallas can learn from Harker Heights. Maybe uh, as we move into this with these lawsuits with the local uh, governments here with uh, Attorney Jim Paxton suing five of the marijuana policy preventing enforcement cities oh it's crazy stay tuned this is why you listen to the texas hemp show we be back on the other side podcast 156 rolls on after this That's a fine-looking box. Thanks. I love it. I wish I had a box like that. You and everyone else. I just can't keep people away from my box. It maintains itself, comes fully assembled, and it doesn't need a bit of help. I just sit back, relax, and watch things grow. Can I touch it? Mmm, I'd like that. The Bloom Box from BC Northern Lights, a self-contained indoor growing chamber. The fast and easy way to grow at home. The Bloom Box from BC Northern Lights. Available at Pacific Northwest Garden Supply. Hey, this is Cheech Marine, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. You've thought about growing your own tomatoes. You just need to be shown the light. BC Northern Lights, self-contained indoor growing units so you can grow your own tomatoes without cutting holes in your walls or risking a fire. BC Northern Lights takes out the guesswork by giving you the perfect growing environment. The bloom box and the producer come fully assembled, don't need an electrician, and pre-programmed timers do all the work for you. Start growing your own tomatoes today with the bloom box and the producer from BC Northern Lights. Available at Pacific Northwest Garden Supply. This is Ricky Williams, and you're listening to the Texas Hip Show. Hooker. Welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show podcast, podcast number 156 this week, exploring our legal freedoms and the fight for cannabis. Free the weed, as Julie Oliver stated as the show got started today. Free the weed. <laughs> uh, again, our topic this week on news about Ken Paxton filing the lawsuits against the, against the local municipalities. We want to support the work of Julie and Ground Game Texas has done a fabulous job the last several years. They became on my they got on my radar when they were working with the city of Austin a few years ago. 
Parker Heights, uh, that one municipality didn't is not on that list because they kept it out of the measure. So, you know, what can Dallas learn from Harker Heights, Julie? So I will say Dallas is a little bit different. Our strategy and our tactic there is a little, a little bit different. We're okay. actually going to amend the city charter, which is like the city's constitution. Um, so it'll be a charter amendment that basically embeds this policy in the charter. And they cannot change it for at least two years. So that's the a really great thing about it. Once it's mm. been voted on this November, it will literally be embedded in their con city's constitution. All the other things that we've done in the state, across the state, have been um, ordinances and like to your point, Harker Heights uh, repealed the ordinance two weeks after the election in November of 2022. The Dallas City Council will not have that opportunity to do that. Um, okay. Any charter amendment will have to go to, uh, to the voters to vote on this. So we're bypassing the legislative body and taking these issues straight to the voters. That's why we collect city uh, signatures in every city. We have to do the formality of presenting it to city council, but they will then put it on the ballot for this coming November and the folks in Dallas get to vote on it. But we do need, I'll say this, we need 20,000 good registered voters in the city of Dallas to come sign our petitions. Um, and we'll be doing this all the way through the middle of May. So uh, we're at a location called Good Coworking in Dallas every day from eight to five. Um, we'll be at events. You'll see folks of ours with clipboards. Um, to your point, Austin has been doing a killer job getting out there every weekend and collecting several dozens of sheets of signatures. Mm -hmm. So it's an easy issue to to sell people on. And, and yeah, when you people hear that they're not going to go to jail for low level amounts of marijuana, they sign right away. Julie, is, uh, are, is, the, is the organization a 501c3? Are you guys nonprofit? Uh, tell us we about- We are a 501c4 organization, okay. nonprofit organization. Okay. So 501c4. Uh, 501c3s have real a lot of restrictions on doing these ballot initiatives and okay. signature collecting. So we do it through the 501c4. Excellent. Excellent. You know, I want to support you guys, Julie, in any way we can. And, 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 you know, if we can, you know, cover what you're working on in the month of March, month of April, month of May, anything we can do, fire off the website, let folks know how they can support you and, uh, and get involved with ground game because you guys have done great work and, and should be recognized. Well, our website is groundgametexas.org. And if you're in Dallas and you want to go directly to the campaign website there, just go to decrimdallas.com and you can find the, uh, there it is, the Dallas Freedom Act of 2024. <laughs> um, you can print out the petition, sign it. You can get all your friends to sign it. Um, these do need to be notarized. So we have a notary on staff at the, at the office location um, where you can drop those off. Or if you need it, we can schedule some time to come pick it up. Wow, very cool. Well, uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Or uh, you just uh, you give me a holler. I'm just a, a shake away if you need me. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, there she goes. And then let's turn over here and talk to Rod because I want to get Rod's eye, uh, thoughts a little bit on you know Texas is a ballot. We don't have ballot initiatives in Texas, Rod. You know mm -hmm. this, right? I mean, we how is North Carolina? Yeah. We can't get a measure on our ballot, Rachel, because they, the state the state controls that power. They keep the power within the state. So yeah, they keep that power. And so, you know, North Carolina is similar to Texas and similar to a lot of Southern states. There's, there's not a, a ballot initiative yeah. there. So voters can't come in and, and directly vote for measures. So voters need to identify, you know, who their potential lawmakers are going to be and vote. I mean, you know, we've talked about this this whole show today. I think, <laughs> I think voting and cannabis is one of those issues that of all the divisions that are happening in our country 
right now and, and in the world at large, cannabis is really the great unifier. You talked earlier about, you know, the, the, the GOP is coming around. You know, in, in North Carolina, our, um, the, the, the chief lawmaker in, in our um, legislative house owns a, or is a part owner of a, of a hemp company and is very, very supportive of, of, of hemp and cannabis reform. And so I think it's, you know, it's beginning to, to really come in, and bring everyone together. So, yeah, I mean, cannabis is, is the great uniter. And for whatever reason, I think our politicians haven't heard that yet. And I think as, as a country, we need to let them know. And, and that happens at the ballot box. But it also happens through normalization. And I, what hemp has done since really the 2014 Farm Bill uh, and now we're going on almost a decade of, of this form of cannabis uh, being legal, is it has slowly but but consistently normalized cannabis. It started with CBD, and and then it came with, with Delta-8 and some of these Delta products, and then now we're seeing THCA flower, and, and, and people are, are, have become used to it. They see that people are consuming these products, and not only is the sky not falling, but wait a second, people are feeling better, Small businesses are, are doing well. Uh, we're starting to engage in the world economy because hemp can cross state borders. But what people don't often think about is it can cross international borders. And a lot of other countries, their cannabis laws are changing. And so we're, we're beginning to see the hemp industry engage with those other, with those other countries. And so, again, rather than it being uh, cannabis, being you know, a negative, people who normally would have either been opposed to it or just not interested – now say, wait a second. There's there's a lot of a lot of benefit on a lot of fronts uh, with with cannabis legalization. You know, uh, something that um, we want to point out also is that Ken Paxton, the Texas Attorney General, um, the lawyer who defended him during this case, uh, where he was recently, it was a very public thing. Um, I mean, he was exposed yeah. for even committing adultery on his wife during this thing and then wants to be like the morality police for Texas with cannabis. But his attorney, <laughs> Tony Busby, has a THC-infused seltzer, which you know, that's very yeah, his own attorney. Yeah. Like he hires an attorney to defend him who actually has his own brand of THC seltzer. And it's just getting a little bit, but there's a lot of. It just goes to show you that, I mean, this is, it's become ubiquitous, right? Yeah. I mean, the guy who's suing these cities, his attorney um, has a, has a and, and it's, you know, it's, it's THC infused seltzer, which, which by the way, talking about normalization, that's, it seems to be the theme for me today that I'm talking about unintentionally, <laughs> but it is, is that, you know, the hemp derived beverages are, are becoming um, really a, a big category really fast. And I think that's, that's one thing people are, are drinking less. And, mm -hmm. and they see these cannabis beverages, these hemp-infused D9 and D8 beverages as being a, a perfect replacement. They go to the barbecue. Hey, I've got a, um, I'm going to sip on my, my D9 beverage while my buddies are sipping on a beer. And, yeah. and the drink manufacturers and distributors are really picking up on that fast. I think we're going to start seeing these beverages yeah. in arenas, well, at venues, Texas, yeah. and all over. Here Whoa. in Texas and Houston, we went to a brewery. in uh, Eighth Wonder. The, yeah, the Eighth Wonder Brewery in Houston has um, on tap um, some THC beverages. So, I mean, it's definitely becoming more mainstream here in Texas. I mean, if you look in my magazine, you start to see uh, there's beverages all the time in the ma in the that are running ads from hemp-infused, uh, you know, this or, uh, you know, THC 
uh, CBD beverages. I mean, we've got a lot of ads that we've now accepted that are in this beverage space. It's very exciting. I know that other beverages are starting to get into total wine. You're starting to see THC infused beverages that are getting into major national chains with like total wine. And uh, so I wanted to pursue avenues with my own business, Rod, with just marketing and uh, displacement of our product, of our, our magazines are free to the public. We think maybe leaving them in liquor stores now might be as well as smoke shops and CBD stores is a lucrative thing because of the beverage space. Can you comment on that? Oh, I think it's absolutely lucrative. I think, you know, a few years ago, it might have been seen as either irrelevant or maybe even some competition. But again, given mm -hmm. that, you know, we're now seeing Janupause has become really a thing. That's been <laughs> yeah. We're seeing the, the younger generation is not drinking as much. Myself, I'm 51. I, I stopped drinking recently. And um, a, a lot of my, my friends and, and, and colleagues are in the same boat. And so the mean, so these, the alcohol manufacturers and distributors are seeing this not only as a, as a way to sort of bring the bottom line back up to say, quote unquote, normal, but to actually raise the bar. They're seeing this as a big uh, category. And I think that's great because the, the hemp and, and the cannabis industry generally has, you know, from a global perspective, it's growing, but it's still pretty small. But to then kind of see the marriage of of hemp and and the and the alcohol distri distribution companies is a really powerful, really powerful force. And I think that we're going to see that, you know, begin to really permeate um, a lot of states and at the national level. I think we we're going to look back um, one, two, and certainly three years from now, and and it's just going to be you're going to be able to get your your Delta Nine. THC or Delta 8 THC hemp beverage anywhere. It's going to be the grocery store. It's going to be at the venue. It's going to be the movies. It's going to mm -hmm. be at your, at your brewery. Uh, you, you know, the waitress comes to the table and says, you know, what are you having to drink? Someone orders a beer, someone orders a glass of wine, someone orders a Coca-Cola, someone orders a B9 seltzer. Some, you know, I think that's, we're just going to see that. So be normal. Rod I hope so. Rod Kite, our guest. Uh, Rod Kite, our guest with uh, <laughs> Cannabis Law. Uh, Carrie Hinkle was Canna, on. Cannabusiness.law. Cannabusiness.law. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we or, skipped. Or, or, kite, or KiteLaw.com goes to the same spot. So, yeah. <laughs> KiteLaw.com. That one I won't screw up as much. I'll try. Um, <laughs> kite law. Are you high as a kite? <laughs> <laughs> that was We actually told you that there for a while. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> That's funny you did that because I can do that on the thing here. But anyway, that is cool. Um, what do you think about the uh, measures? What the we had Kerry Hinkle on from the U.S. Hemp Roundtable last week, and he mentioned the the state senate bill uh, the, the, in D.C. that would make CBD and hemp products uh, in edible form legal. Uh, uh, you're probably familiar with the name of the bills uh, better than I was, but he was introducing those to us. Uh, last week uh, from the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, so you're that you're referring to that that if those things those things pass in Washington. Well, so what we have with with the, really the cannabinoids in general is uh, a hang up with the, with the FDA, mm. and not to get too legally into the weeds, but there's something called the drug exclusion rule, and the drug exclusion rule says that there's an ingredient, a compound of some sort. They call it an article in the law. There's an article that uh -huh. has been studied for clinical um, in clinical test trials for a drug before it was marketed as a food or a dietary supplement. Then it can't later be marketed as a food or dietary supplement. And the FDA says, oh, well, wait, before THC and CBD were marketed, 
you know, in, as food ingredients and as dietary supplements, they were the subject of test trials, um, Janabadil and Epidiolex and some of these other drugs. So therefore, sorry, you can't add it as a, as a food ingredient. Uh, it's ridiculous for a number of reasons. I actually testified before the FDA on its, its only cannabis hearing. And I essentially, you know, in, in, a, in a lawyerly way, I told them that they were wrong. But, but, but fortunately, the FDA has not um, enforced this, this prohibition. That's why you see CBD and THC and edibles, you know, all over the place, with one exception, and that is when companies advertise them for their medical or health benefits. The FDA has said, no, you can't do that. Um, and so on the one hand, it's, you know, the FDA has allowed this industry to grow because it hasn't enforced this prohibition. But by the same token, it has also prevented it from growing because it has, has failed to create a pathway. You know, because hemp companies, you know, every day I talk to, to, to clients, they just want to follow the law. Hey, we've got a good product. We want to bring it to market. We've got customers that like it. How do we follow the law? And when you've got the FDA saying, we're not going to do anything, we're, we're, we're hands off, we can't regulate this, we just say it's illegal, um, that's a problem, right? And so the law, the bills that you're talking about would force the FDA to create a path for these products to be expressly legal under food and drug law. Now, now it's clear that they're not controlled substances. You know, hemp is not like cocaine or um, you know, or heroin or LSD or um, other <laughs> right. other drugs that are controlled. Um, it's not controlled, but it doesn't mean that it's fully legal. The FDA has said the Food and Drug Act prohibits it from being a food. So anyway, that, that's a long way of saying that those types of bills um, could be potentially very helpful for the industry. What do you see for changes? Uh, like we spoke about the culture. Obviously, Rod, the culture is ready for this to be either descheduled or decrimmed. Um, you know, Americans uh, and what, what the 25 states have uh, recreational markets or medical programs now. Is that right, Rod? You know, I, I, I don't keep count with all that. <laughs> it's something um, like that. I believe it's 25. But can you speak to the national culture of this? And, and uh, you know, we've come I, I along. Can, yeah. We've come a long way. But, you know, what are your thoughts just as we, you know, kind of. Uh, the 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 American culture in 2024. We've got movies, we've got TV shows, we've got podcasts, we've got celebrities, we've got sports figures. Uh, cannabis is it's it's quite acceptable today. Cannabis is ubiquitous. It's it's everywhere. <laughs> it, it, you know, and, and and people who who use it use it openly and 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 without problems. Typically, people who don't use it don't tend to be as you know, judgmental or it's just part of that part of the culture but but what we're what we've seen though is you know I, I, there's been an, a vision you know of of cannabis legalization i'm using that term broadly mm -hmm. and that vision has been okay well it's schedule one now we're going to ramp it down and eventually it'll be descheduled in the meantime we're going to have these states come online and they're going to have their medical program and then they're going to enact a recreational uh, you know or adult use program and more and more states are going to do this, and eventually we're going to reach a tipping point, and then it's, you know the whole um, house of cards, which is the the drug war against marijuana, is going to going to going to fall. Well, guess what? It's been decades and decades, and <laughs> and we're still maybe get schedule three. I think that's probably going to happen, and we have you know at least half and probably more than half of states that have these laws that that, that allow marijuana. And and guess what? It's 
it's still restricted. And so that's a vision that I think is beginning to fail. And so what I'm, I'm promoting and what I'm trying to open people's eyes to is we already have cannabis legalization. We need yeah. to preserve it and expand it. And that yes. is through hemp. And hemp is something, you know, again, I talked about this at the beginning of the show. People come to me all the time. Hey, Rod, you're a cannabis lawyer. When are we going to legalize cannabis? And I say, look around yeah. you. We have cannabis legalization. Hemp is legal in all 50 states. And so instead of focusing on when are we going to get recreational marijuana, when are we going to get that medical program, wait a second, let's step back and say, do you have a hemp law in your state? Yes, because all 50 states have a hemp law. How good is your hemp law? Meaning, is it, is right. it overly restrictive or is it pretty open? And does it have proper regulations? Well, if it's overly restrictive, why don't you talk to your lawmakers about expanding that? That's a much easier hurdle than getting them to, to go, you know, marijuana or if you've got um, good regulations don't let them be overturned by some prohibitionist group or some um you know marijuana monopolist preserve that and so so to to one more thing about about lawmakers lawmakers have for whatever reason been um really slow to legalize marijuana but lawmakers like hemp and so you go to your lawmaker and you don't you say hey don't don't you let's not talk about marijuana let's talk about hemp let's preserve the legal status of hemp and that in and of itself preserves and expands the legal um, status of cannabis. And that's what we're talking about is cannabis. It doesn't matter what you call that's it. That's an excellent point. Well, that's what I really liked before in another segment, you know, in the last segment with Julie. You, I really like that you were expanding on that because we really do have cannabis nationwide. We have hemp. And, and uh, we say in Texas that we don't have the best program, but we have a program, and our program is hemp here and so that's right um, and it's a good program you it know, with, is. with your buddy david sergi um, <laughs> hero we fought dishes and and preserved the legal status of delta eight but but hemp products are, are are legal throughout the state um whether it be delta eight gummies thc a hemp flower these d9 seltzers that we've been talking about or you know your cbd um, tinctures and, and creams well, we want to talk to you down the road because I understand. I don't know if we can let anything out of the bag, but I know you and David are working on some things behind the scenes, and we'll, we're going to talk about that on another show later in the year. Fire off the website uh, again, Ron, and let folks know how they can learn more about your law firm. And and um, and I would love to have you on the show again, uh, maybe with, with David, because I, I think that would be a fun show too because he comes on all the time and, and speaks with us here at the show. And um, I've had to retain him a time or two and so he kind of he's advertises with us so uh david's a great guy but you know tell folks how they can learn a little more about what you're doing and and uh why they might need to then reach out to you because uh i know you and him are working on some things behind the scenes as well yeah well, well david sergi's been been a great resource and an advocate for hemp in texas and nationally you know yeah. again we're, we're working on a case uh, together in, in Florida, and, and there's a lot of things that are that are popping up throughout the, the country. I'd love to, to speak with you and and, and David sometime. <laughs> as far as reaching me, um, it, it's cannabusiness.law or, or kitelaw.com. It all points to the same place. Uh, that's my law, uh, my blog, my, my small website. I've been writing a cannabis law blog for almost a decade now, and I try to keep up with emerging issues and give a legal analysis so that people who are who are trying to learn can can go to a trusted resource where you know we give them a real analysis and and we bring try to bring attention to things that are happening so people can can stay informed so you know we're we're a business law firm that that focuses on this industry and we're also huge cannabis advocates in in every way that we can 
Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show. It's been great just talking with you, and and I appreciate you passing the football back and forth with Julie early in the show too, as well. So it's great to kind of get you both to banter on uh, Texas as uh, we c- continue to to uh, 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 deal with challenges in the Lone Star State and and our lawmakers as well. But like you said, I think it's very important. We do have a program, and it's hemp, and more states need to recognize that. And so uh, we're just happy that uh, uh, you would be on the show with us. Let's we'll circle back with you in a few months, maybe get you and David on as well. But uh, Rod, Kite, thank you for being on the show. Um, the website is kitelaw.com and cannabis.law. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and fighting, fighting for hemp is fighting for cannabis. Hemp is cannabis. That's cannabis right. Is, and, 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 and we have a real opportunity right here, right now, this year to expand cannabis, preserve its legal status, and and take it throughout the world. Well, thank you for being part of the show, my friend. We'll have you on again soon. It's the Texas Hemp Show. We will roll on and do this again next week. Rachel, thanks you for being part of the show. Of course. Shout out to Carl for doing a great job on the show this week. Always. And uh, we will toss this thing. Podcast 156 wraps, and we will be back next week, and we'll talk about our friends at Grow House because we're partying with them on the South by issue that we're pulling up. That's awesome. I talked to them. We'll we'll kind of talk and reveal a little more about that in the coming weeks. But coming up in the next week or two, like I said, Liz Grow. I've got Cap Rock Family Farms is supposed to be on. Tim White will be on uh, the following week. And then we're going to start booking up more March shows as well. So um, it should be fun. If you want to be a guest on the Texas Hemp Show, just email me at texashempreporter at gmail.com. You can be a guest on here. We're expanding the magazine, like we said last week, to a monthly publication. And um, and then we're going to try to get the show back up on our friends over at Waterloo Media. Thank you for tuning in. And again, shout out to uh, Julie Oliver, executive director and co-founder there at Ground Game Texas, as well as Rod Kite uh, joining us this week with his website and, and uh, law firm, KiteLaw.com. As we Hi, KiteLaw.com. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. The thing that charming was a thing of the past. The charming. And I hope this time is gonna last. No bullet can stop us now. We need to beg, no, we won't bow. Neither can be bought now, so. We all defend the right, judge our children must unite. Who life is worth much more than gold. in Mount Zion It rules all creation Yeah, we're We're